All right, welcome to the True Grit Podcast, the best dirt track racing podcast on the planet. We're so glad that you tuned in to listen to us tonight, and I'm your host, Shane Davis, former IMCA Modified National Racing Champion, and my sidekick, former World Outlaws guy, Pat Moore. Hey, How you I'm, doing, Pat? I'm doing great, Shane. Glad to be here, or look forward to, to uh, picking up where we left off last week and having another great show. We're glad to be here. All right, and we've got the modified legend, Bob the Dominator, Dominacki. Glad you're here, Bob. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and then we got the Big Boss Man. If you work here, you got to have a nickname. So the Big Boss Man, we called him Kelly last week, but we'll now refer to him as the Big Boss Man. How you doing, Big Boss Man? I'm good, guys. How are you? We're doing great. Great. So, hey, a lot of great racing uh, going on this past week, and uh, one of the tracks we'll talk about Thursday night, we kicked off the... Lucas Oil Tour over there at Davenport Speedway. It was a dirt track racing uh, promoted event, but uh, Billy Moyer Sr., man, that guy, 62, 63 years old, and still getting it done, man. He got up on the high side, put the hammer down. It was really a two-car battle for about 28 laps, and then Moyer just kind of started to pull away, and I think by the end of the feature, uh, you know, he had about a straightaway lead uh, over the second-place car, but... Great race and actions. The fans uh, loved it, and man, did they put on a show! Yeah, wow, what a what a show! You know what? When anytime you have a after that many laps and you have side by side racing, one guy on the top, one guy on the bottom, um, you know, it just puts on an absolutely phenomenal show. I actually made it there just in time to to catch the end of that and, and then watch the modified race. Modified race. Spencer Dirks had a had a, a heck of a run right around the top as well. So yeah. it was a great program. Yeah, here it was uh, top 10. We'll run down real quick. We had Billy Moyer Sr. Uh, picking off the win with uh, Jason Papich second. Brian Shirley in that 3S car had a nice run, brought her up to third place. And Ashton Winger was fourth. Terry Phillips from down Missouri rolled home fifth. Tyler Bruning sixth. Tony Tosti seventh. Tony Jackson Jr. eighth. Jason Fegger ninth. Dennis Erb Jr., the one-man band, come home tenth. Rich Bell from down in Sheffield, Illinois, got 11th. And the Dunright, number 59, Garrett Albertson, rolled home 12th place. So good show for uh, Kenny Roberts Racing and the Dunright uh, Racing Machine. So, hey, Bob, we're going to talk to you a little bit here now after uh, those results. Street stock, man. Have you watched Bill? I want to go back to Bill. Yeah. For a second. Yeah. If you ever watch him race, he drives the car in the corner so straight. Oh, my Turns gosh. it, drives it off. Yeah. Never slides the car. Yeah. Just amazing. I watched him last year at West Liberty. Just made him look foolish. That you know, guys that guy, are going in the corner sideways. He just drives it in, turns the car, drives it off. Did the same thing at Davenport. I'm just amazed by, like I said, they call him Mr. Smooth. But just his technique, you know, and I heard he started in go-karts, and it, I think it's brought him a long way. Yeah, and you hardly ever see him make a mistake. You don't see him run over somebody or go get in over his head or get in and lose the front end and push up over the cushion. I mean, a lot of times, typically older guys will tend to, to, you know, hover around the bottom and be more conservative. But he's still got that ability to be fast no matter where he needs to be to be fast and be incredibly smooth doing it. Yeah, And and like Bob said, you never see him turning right. That wheel is always... It always looks like he's in a push. Yeah, a little bit mad. Drives it off and... I said, just, I said, tail wasn't hanging, tires right. ain't spinning. Exactly. And that guy's still smooth. That's pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah, it was. Because, Bob, we're right behind him in age. So, right. uh, know. you know, if you can maintain I, that. I, uh, I think I'm a year older than he is. I think he's are. 61, I believe. Okay. Well, I'm just turned 62 in March. Yeah. I knew he was about our age. And Bob and I yeah. both graduated high school in 1977. So we're about the same age. But, hey, one of the things I want to talk to you about, we're going to roll back uh, the clock. You start out in the street stock division. Now, that white Mopar you had, Bob, right. what was that? It was a 65 Cornet that I got from Tuffy Morehouse. Okay. Tuffy brought it home from the junkyard, A1 used cars and parts. Yeah, only. Yep. Um, it was a guy in Davenport over by the fairgrounds. I can never remember his name. It was like three guys that built that car brand new. And then the partnership fell apart, and they took okay. the parts off it. It had a cage built out of black pipe, yeah. all, all welded <laughs> corners and everything. The guy worked at Hempel Pipe and Supply or something. Yeah. Anyway, Tuffy took it out of the junkyard because he thought it was too good a scrap. 
Yeah. But after they got it home and they like, well, it's too heavy to to run what they were running, you know, street stock or sportsman at East Moline. So it was laying in his front yard in the gravel, and I used to go over because they raced Chryslers and just kind of hang around. And yeah, I'm like, what are you going to do with that? He's like, I need a set of heads. I said, I got them. So <laughs> I traded him for that, and I thought I got in his pocket as much as he thought he got mine. <laughs> so we were both happy, and I, my dad's buddy ran a junkyard, Cashway Auto Parts. Right. So I went out there and just said, I need rear end and springs and steering box and all kinds of stuff, and Kenny got it out for me. The front shock towers were cut out, so I had him. I went out with, like, a, a soapstone and drew – around one bigger so when i brought it home i could set it over the old one and bolt it in because i didn't even own a welder oh my gosh and the, i put the doors on with eighth inch pop rivets because i didn't know what a 3 16th rivet was <laughs> then you know, nobody in my family ever raced i just yeah. something i wanted to do i had drag raced and it was boring you know you go fast for i didn't have fast cars you know 13 14 seconds yeah and then sit there for two hours and then do it again and lose first round oh, man. just wasn't fun so uh, so yeah. bob i remember one night up at east moline i talked to you a while ago about that yeah you're in that car you're heading down a back stretch got, you got that thing turned sideways it and, turned around backward going into three and yeah. the whole field's coming at me so i threw it in reverse and i went through three and four backwards it came out on the front straightaway and i'm going on the front <laughs> straightaway going thinking what am i going to do when i get to the next corner you know so i Finally, I, I turned the wheel and backed it in the infield, and when I did, the driver's door fell off, and I put it in first and it took <laughs> off. You ever have that happen, Pat? Uh, you know, I, I've done stupid stuff <laughs> that I, I, you know, I'm not going to admit on air. I tell you that. <laughs> I, I could probably top that, but yeah, I'm yeah. not going to admit it on air. <laughs> now, Bob, your favorite uh, street stock uh, you had of mine that was was that like a '70 Dodge Charger? Yeah, the next year I had a '70 Dodge Charger RT that. RT. Yep, it was a real RT. Real RT. I bought it out at Everett's Body Shop. I had bought the car twice. I bought it once when it was a full street car, but the left front fender was gone, and the hood and the front bumper were bent. It had been sitting in a guy's backyard for a long time, and I got it home. He hadn't found a title yet. I got to looking at it. The motor was stuck, and the brakes didn't work, and I'm like, you know what? This is going to be way too much work. So I took it back. And I think I gave you like 135 bucks for it. I said, give me 100 bucks back, and I'm going to leave it here. Okay. He did. The next time I saw the car, it was ever at Everett's Body Shop, completely gutted. Okay. Motor tranny, interior, everything was out of it, ready to be a stock car, and I gave Everett 35 bucks for it. <laughs> I brought it home and, and turned it into – I took the roll cage out of that white car. Yeah. And I sawzalled it in half and then cut the – the middle, like right by the upper corners, by the windshield posts. Yeah. I cut it in two places, and I sleeved it back together with muffler pipe. Hey. <laughs> Put it in that car. and Safety was a big concern back then. <laughs> so I remember doing the same thing, Bob. That's just the way we did it. Right. But that thing was black and silver. It had a red number five on it. And it was probably the prettiest street stock i ever seen. And, Bob, you're a Mopar guy. Right. Uh, if you had that car today... I mean, what's that thing worth? Big block Mopar, I've RT. Seen them advertised for eighty grand. Yeah. Wow. They're and, they're way out there. And you know, I remember uh, one of the cars I had back then. I had a '67 Chevelle SS, and it was three ninety six four speed car. And I, you know, you could buy cars back then for five hundred bucks, and that you know nobody wanted muscle cars. They were gas guzzlers. Yeah. And I literally beat the windows out, put a roll cage in it, and I went racing. And I left it red. The car was red. And the guy come up to me at the racetrack, and he said, man, I'm restoring a car like that, Shane. Can I buy all the badging? And I said, sure, when the races are over. Well, we're at East Moline Speedway, baby. And it was hammer time. And I remember Al Antone lifted a little early going into the turn, our heat race, and I wrapped him. And all that SS uh, Chevelle badging went flying over my roof, and I didn't get to sell anything after the races. But... So, Bob, coming up after that, IMCA says, hey, we're going to start running Modifieds. Yeah, and That was 84. and There you go. After the whole year, 83, it took two cars to finish that year for me. The black car, the front end broke off of it. My brother-in-law gave me a 69 Charger, and I okay. took everything out of that. And the back half broke off of it. 
Wow. So at the end of the year, they were coming out with the mod. They'd been running modifieds maybe, I guess, a year before because the car I got was uh, Bruce Housley's. Right. He'd, he'd raced it, I don't know, not very long. The modified. The modified. Right, okay. Anyway, so I wound up buying that from him. He took out his motor transmission rear end. It had an old rear end with the Chevy motor. Okay. And then when I got it, I put a Chrysler rear end under it. I wound up taking it to Roger, Roger's Welding, and Gary Webb worked there, so he made a deal with me. If I put brakes on his girlfriend's car, he would put motor mounts in that to fit a Chrysler. <laughs> so That's a deal. That That's worked nice out trade. really good, and then when I got it all done, I... He, he scaled it for me once, and uh, he was it was really a big help. Now, Bob, that, did that have a 383 in it? Yep. That, so, I took that motor out of the bomber. Yeah. It was a dish piston 383. Um, I had run it. I got a black 66 satellite I still have, but it I'd run it on the street with nitrous on it, and it started to spin a rod bearing. So I pulled it out, and it was sitting on the floor in my grandmother's garage. Okay. And Rich Cummer used to Richie. own... Uh, Webb's car, race shop, right. uh, anyway, all that stuff. Yeah. One day he says, hey, I got a 383 crank laying at my shop. Do you want it? Are you kidding me? And he brought it down, and it was surface rusted really bad. Okay. But I, I took it to AutoWise. I said, can you polish this? And when it came back, it had, like, low spots in it. <laughs> I'm like, well, it'll hold more oil that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so me and my buddy, I didn't own an engine stand. Didn't have a ring compressor. Right. We pulled the, the crank out of that motor sitting on the floor without it. Had, I don't think it had heads on it. Okay. We got the crank out of it with all the pistons and rods in the block. Wow. And then we got the other crank anyway. We get it. We get all the rods fist around a crank, and it won't set down in there all the way. See, we had it in backwards. Take <laughs> it out, spin it around, <laughs> set it back down in there, bolted it together, and I put it in that bomber. And it ran and it ran and it ran. And like I said, when I took it out of the modified, I lost like 150 pounds off that motor between cast iron exhaust manifolds, cast iron intake. Yeah. And then I had a, a cast iron four speed that I had one of my buddies change the main case to an aluminum case from an overdrive. Sure. But then we, I get the tranny all done and I go put it in the bell housing, it won't fit. The bell house, the front bearing retainer was bigger. Wow. So I had to find a guy with a lathe big enough to spin a big block Chrysler bell housing to bore that hole out for oh, me. Oh, you kidding? Wow. And it, I found one of my dad's buddies yeah. had a lathe, and we did that. And huh. then I took, went to put the clutch pedal in it, and it's right in the interior where your foot goes for the gas. I'm like, what? Anyway, I wound up cutting a hole in the bell housing and running the clutch fork out the passenger side and huh. running a hydraulic slave cylinder on it. Wow. So that I had room on the interior, put a set of Roadrunner headers on it, and there you go. Nice. I remember one thing, Bob. You know, when I raced against you back then, and this is no kidding. You know, I'm running a small block Chevy, and I think I had a 327 in Dan Norton and I, whatever we found parts for, we'd put it together. But you were not gonna beat that Chrysler down the straightaway, man. That thing thundered. <laughs> you hit the gas, and I mean, I couldn't even hear mine running. I had to look the gauges to see if it was still running. Right. That and thing I, was loud. Right, and I always wound up overdriving it into the corner because it never turned, and everybody else was always getting away. So That was the only hope we had, Rob. Right. Learning to run the top and overdriving going in just kind of helped me over the years when I started being able to drive better stuff. Okay. Hey, Pat. Let's uh, let's get back to the Friday night show down at Burlington. Yes, the prelude to the Slocum. Yep. Uh, you know that was a heck of a race, and Brian Shirley, he really uh, got things turned around. You want to give us a rundown on that? Yeah. Thing? In the A main, Brian Shirley kind of put it on him. It sounds like um, Bobby Pierce ran a good second. Uh, you know, Bobby was there all weekend long. He ran real well on Thursday night. He was there again on Saturday. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Billy Moyer continued his good luck in a, a third-pace finish. Tony Jackson Jr. came in fourth. Right. Uh, Frank Kekanas Jr., he's always a powerhouse. He ended up fifth. Ryan Unziker ended up sixth with uh, uh, Ashton Winger ended up seventh. So all in all, it was a great show. Um, you know, I, I've always liked Burlington. It's a, it's a great racetrack. They put on absolutely phenomenal races down there. And uh, I think, it, I think uh, Friday night kind of continued that. Good. So, good. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Bobby Pierce, that's one of those guys, he's going to put on a show, and it don't matter if he starts 
14th or, you know, or, uh, you know, on the front row, he's going to put on a show. And I think there's probably times that Bob sits down there and he's thinking, son, you know, he's got this wonderful top quality racehorse and he's just got to pull the reins back a little bit on that kid because, you know, he drives every lap like his hair's on fire and it's a white flag. <laughs> he, well, uh, put you a, know, and, he put a slide job on uh, the 19 car, Gustin. Gustin. And Gustin yeah. wound up on his lid. Oh, yeah. I've seen that on video. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and I was... tell you what, he absolutely gets the most out of his equipment, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. He never comes in where you say, you know what, if I would have just tried just a little bit harder, you know, maybe yeah. I would have been there. But with that being said, he's always with a, a, a family-owned operation. I know they have a lot of helpers, but I have a huge amount of respect for him because the kid runs the wheels runs off hard. that thing. Yeah. For a family-owned operation... They're in the hunt almost everywhere they go. Yeah. You know, they were they were in the hunt down in uh, at Bristol here right. just a couple of weeks ago against the big guns on the big track. Yeah. Yep. You know, uh, they go down to um, down to Farmer City, Illinois, and they're right in the hunt down there. Right. So, uh, you know, he absolutely gets the most out of his equipment everywhere he goes. Saturday night, the man from California. That's right. Grab the big cash. Justin Papish uh, brought it home. Actually, it was a great race. Um he won. Tony Jackson Jr. got second. Garrett got third. In the Dunright car. That's right. And I'm going to tell you what, he's got that black diamond humming. They, yeah. they came out, the, the chassis and the suspension is totally different from the car they had uh, yeah, that Maya won the uh, championship with. Yep. And so we knew it was going to take some seat time. But, man, Garrett's got that thing humming. I mean, yeah. he has really come a long way in that car in a short period of time. Yeah, well, he's definitely got it dialed in. And I tell you what, he was just absolutely silky smooth. You know, watching that race, um, he actually didn't look that fast, and that's a compliment. Um, he was, uh, you know, he was on point, didn't wiggle the car. Um, he was just silky smooth. And I actually, watching that race, I thought, he might actually have a shot at this. Uh, and and uh, uh, Bobby had a good hard run going, got up off the rubber. Papish got by him, and then he tried to overcompensate and jumped over the cushion and wanted to. It's really easy to do down there. Yeah. Um, there's nothing, if you're not familiar with Burlington, there's no wall or any retainer around turn one and two, and it's really hard to see the top of the racetrack. So it's really, really easy. The top of the racetrack kind of flattens out, and it's really easy to lose the rear end over that. And that's, it looked like that's what happened to, to Bobby there towards the end of the race trying to make up for it. Yeah, got shuffled back to eighth. Yep. I mean, that's how... Quick it happens. So uh, one of the things I want to bring up, and I didn't want to go into a lot of detail on it, but uh, uh, big boss man, uh, Jeremiah Hurst. Yeah. Not in the car Saturday night. I know no, no. Uh, you know, he just recently lost his father. So, yeah. you know, there's, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a soft spot there, obviously, because there's a lot of racing that, uh, you know, he was very heavily involved with, with Maya's racing. So, uh, you know, prayers to the family. Uh, I know it's tough, and uh, you know, hopefully, he'll find his peace and uh, you know, be back. But I get it. I get it's it, a, man. You it's know, a tough I deal. I lost my dad, and I remember yep. the first time I went to the racetrack without dad, and it, and it literally was the first time I was at a racetrack without my dad. And I'm heading down uh, uh, the pit entrance, and all of a sudden it hit me, and I pulled over and I cried and cried and cried, and I said, "Come on, Shane, we got to get through this thing." And then finally the crime was over and I went out and raced. And uh, after that, it wasn't, wasn't any easier, I don't think. But I thought to myself, hey, Dad would want me racing. And Pat, you've been through it. Been Bob, through you've it. been through it. Yeah, it's tough. Still alive, thank God. You're, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so you're self-blessed. So, Pat, your dad, uh, you know, when you lost him, I mean, literally in a short period of time, your uncle, yep. big part of the race team, your dad, your mom. Yep. Uh, how did you even go out to the shop? You got this beautiful four. Well, it's got to be a six thousand square foot shop. That's right. Yep. It's four acres of property, beautiful, and and it's just. I go out there. The toter homes got weeds growing up around them, and the stacker trailer, and it was tough. Oh yeah, it's it's tough, and that's that's something that that's different than Mister Dominacki is. I grew up around it, so I'm a third generation racer. So I've been going to the races since I was literally a, a, a tiny baby. Sure. So I grew up around it. I've been immersed in it my entire life, and so that made that impact. And I feel for the whole 58 team because um, 
I know what it's like to lose the, you know, the patriarch of our family. And it was, it was incredibly hard. It's still, it touches me every single day when I go out to the shop and, and I look around for my dad and, you know, I'll be working on something and I'll have a question or a thought will pop into my head and there's just, and I'm getting better about it, but there'll be just that little sliver of, of where I want to turn and holler, Hey dad, where's the blank? Or how did we set this up? Or what was the tolerance as we, that we used to put the, um, you know, the, the end lash when we put the, the, the motors together, stuff like that. So sure. I miss him dearly. So yeah. I know it's hard. It's Bob, you still got your dad. Yeah. All right. Dad just turned 80 and on April 6th. And and my dad mom, had... My mom's 80. 80 also. Right. You know, and dad had that B&B shooting supplies forever, and we seen right. it on the side of the race car. Yeah. And that was, you know, a longtime sponsor. And eventually, how many years has it been since your dad sold the business? I think it's been 20. Wow. Yeah, you know, looking at the rest of these at, at these results, I'll go ahead and, and run through these. It, it was a stacked field down there, you know, for a for a uh, a non big tour show, and I and not taking anything away from the MLRA because it's a phenomenal show. But that's one of the things that I love about late model racing is that that you can have a race at Burlington or Davenport, and man, you have some big guns showing up. Chris Simpson uh, had a decent run, came home fifth. Uh, Ryan Gustin ended up sixth. Brian Shirley ended up seventh, and I'm sure he wasn't thrilled about that after Friday and or Thursday and Friday's show. You know, to come home seventh, I'm sure he wasn't super thrilled about that. Uh, Bobby uh, Bobby Pearson ended up eighth after jumping over the the cushion. Shannon Babb finished ninth, which that surprised me. Amazing. I think yeah. he was in. Um, I think he was in a Bloomquist car that he ran so well at at Eldora, and I expected him to come shooting through there. But sure. You know, uh, sometimes passing's at a premium, and then and then Tyler Bruning ran tenth. You know, right. Tyler Bruning was was you know, he was hot as a two dollar nickel down in Florida. So. Man, that kid, you know, for him Ooh. to go race an IMCA uh, late model, and then all of a sudden he's running, uh, you know, with these guys. Uh, wow. Yeah. You know, what a change, and still able to get her done. But I think that's a testament too to the, the level of competition, and you go through that through that that lineup, and and those guys could win uh, at virtually any race out there. Yeah, virtually. I, I, I watched the race from Hagerstown, Maryland, um, a Lucas race from Hagerstown, Maryland. And um, uh, Bishop obviously didn't have a real good qualifier. It started towards the back and ended up running towards the back of the pack all, all night long, which wow. when was the last time they ever saw that? Yeah. Hey, Bob, uh, you drove late models for Daryl Dorsher, and that car was red, white, and blue. It was probably my favorite paint scheme you ever had. Red, white, and blue, and it had the Dominator on the bottom of the door. Right. Uh, your son, Robbie, is, is honoring you this year yeah, yeah. and Daryl by that having car. that paint scheme. And I've seen yeah. pictures on the Internet. Uh, the car looks absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Tell yeah. us a little bit about your time with Daryl because, man, you guys are fast in that car. Um, I was driving the 75 car out of Peoria. Right. But they were only wanting to run on Saturday nights. Okay. And the one year... Governor's Cup was coming at Bluegrass, and Darrow used to come in to the shop I worked at at Iowa Battery. Okay. And I didn't know him. And he'd come in and get used batteries. We'd used to get seconds from Case. Okay. He'd come and get them for his combines and his tractor and that. <laughs> and um, he saw me working one day, and then he knew Doyle and Joanne pretty good. Okay. So he called down there and said, is Bob going to race at Bluegrass? Well, they came and asked me. I said, no, the 75 guys don't want to run on Thursday or whatever day that was going to be. And Daryl said, oh, will you come out and drive my car? Wow. And I didn't even know he had a car, per se. Sure. And when, I, when he said it, I thought, well, he must have one. Of, I thought he had a, a copy that Whedon had built or something. I really didn't know. I seen it. I guess I'd seen he pulled in at Davenport for a bush race one night when uh, the kid from Hawkeye Auto Body was still driving. Yeah, Mike Luth. Right. Mike yeah. was driving and had a 14 on it. Okay. I guess that was the first time I saw it, and then later he asked me if I'd drive it. And I said, okay, we'll meet you out there. And then after I thought about it, I, I should at least go out and see if I can fit in it. You know. So yeah. me and Scott Ward went out and looked at the car, and it was a twin to Gary Webb's car. Wow. He called GRT and said, I want one just like Gary's. And like he Gary's. called Grove and said, I want the same motor he has. And, I mean, it was there was not any money that wasn't spent. I mean, he, yeah. he bought the best there was. And we went out, and I don't – I think I finished in the top five. Yeah. But 
Nice. Steve Speth was there standing there with Daryl watching the races, and yeah. Steve looks over, and Daryl's crying Is while he? we're racing. Oh, yeah. And Steve said, what's wrong? He says, that's the first time I ever seen my number on the scoreboard. Nice. <laughs> so, you know, it's an emotional game. Right. Yep. So then after we did that, then Daryl wanted to race at East Moline since 75 guys wouldn't come up. I'm okay. like, all right. Now we're still on the Bush Series when you went to East Moline. No, before that, before, before they the came Bush. there, it was just Daryl had a, a, the original car was a computer car. When okay. GRT was doing that. He had I one, remember that. one car, he had an open trailer. Anyway, we went. We were going to go to Moline, and the car still had 14 on it. And I'm like, can we change the number, Daryl? And we're, anyway, I said, how about if we just take the 4 off? I said, instead of 14D, we'll just make it a 1D. And that's kind of how it that started. That's kind of how it was born. For Daryl and for me, you know, Dorsher, Dominic, Daryl, yeah. that all worked. Yeah. Nice. So that's where the 1D came from. And we raced there, did pretty good. I remember the first night we got paid, you know, I ran, I don't know, sixth, seventh, you know, nothing spectacular, but sure. got a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. And they paid cash. So after the race, I walked over and I gave it to Vicki, and she said, what's this? I said, this is what we won tonight. She's like, wow, all I've ever gotten was a check for like $12 <laughs> from, from Bluegrass. <laughs> nice. So, nice. So oh, man, that's from, awesome. From there, it was on. I mean, yeah. we You had a lot of success with Daryl. I mean, yes. You guys, wherever you went, when you're running on the Bush Tour, right. uh, you guys were fast. That and first year I drove for him, we went to the Yankee and wound up not qualifying for the big show, but started on a, the front row with Ace I'm. Okay. And for I'm the non-qualifier, the Auto Wakers race, the 25-lap right. Auto Wakers race, well, Ace got the jump on me, and you know Ace, he ran the top everywhere. Yeah. Ace had the lead, and I passed him on the outside going through, <laughs> through three and four at Farley and then wound up winning that race. And oh, my gosh. Yeah, Daryl was very excited. Oh. He, he had a few beers. It was, I bet he did. <laughs> yeah. Hey, good for him. Yeah. Hey, another car I want to talk about, you and I both drove for Earthquake. Yep. And when uh, Steve Lance Sr., you know, he was a logger. This guy carried chainsaws around for a living, and I carried a briefcase. And I remember the first night I got in that car, it didn't have power steering. And we led the feature down at Peoria up to the white flag, and I'm coming out of four, and I look up, and I see that number 56 zipping by. He got me right at the line. So I said to Earthquake, I said, man, you got to put power steering on that car. When you drove for him, Bob, yeah. did it have power steering on it then? Yeah, I believe it did. When, ah. I, first, when I first started to drive for Harold and Tuffy, yeah. that car didn't have power steering. It had a big block Chrysler in it with a, like a stock stub Camaro, yeah, and no power steering, and they'd put Ricky wages in it, and he's like, "I ain't driving this." Yeah, <laughs> you had to be a man, Bob. Right, and then they had, they had Randy in it, and Randy got in trouble, and then they finally came to me. They said, "Listen, will you just make a couple laps so we can get our hundred bucks?" Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, "All right." You couldn't already turn it, so I think I drove it like that first year, and then over the winter they switched it to a Chevy, and then put power steering in it, and then I continued on. But if it hadn't have been for them put me in there, I would have never got the Earthquake's car. Yeah. I didn't know song. Earthquake when he called me. He okay. called and said, do you want to come down to Peoria and drive this? I'm like, all right. Hey, Bob, tell everybody out there why they called him Earthquake. He was a big boy. He was, I don't know, three, Donnie 350, was 400, 400 yeah, Donnie was, was a big boy. Yes. Big boy. He yeah. was a big boy. I'd seen the car when I was still running bombers at Moline. He would bring that car in, and I think Catherine drove, was driving her to right. you on the roof. It said, whoever. Yeah. <laughs> and I walked over one night kind of being a smartass, and I'm like, where do you sign up at? <laughs> and he just looked at me. <laughs> Little did he know, you know, three years later or whatever, I would nice. be driving that. Oh, my God. I drove it, I think it was in 91, 92, but I remember, you know, it still had whoever, and I said, uh, you know, what do we got to do to get our name on the roof? And he said, oh, we're not going to talk about that. Right. He said, uh, well, drivers usually don't stick around long enough to get their name on there. But that, I remember that. He was, that was on funny. a shoestring budget. I raced, we raced one night at Princeton, and a car was got hot, and I pulled in. The race wasn't over. And he chewed me out. What are you doing? I said, it's hot. He said, I'm going to tape them gauges up. He said, you don't pull until it quits running. <laughs> <laughs> so I went out, and the next week I blew it up. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I pulled it in. I said, you know, if I'd have pulled in when it was hot, we could have raced next week. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's then, funny. Then he calls me a few days later. He said, here's a phone number. He said, you call this guy and tell him you're available. I said, what? He said, it's Bill Barneywald. Okay. Bill was like the mouthpiece for the guys that Neltner car in Peoria, the 75 car. Right. He said, you call him up, tell him you're available. So I'm like, all right. So I call him up. I'm like, is Bill there? Yeah, this is Bill. I said, Donnie said, I'm supposed to tell you I'm available. He said, you bring your helmet, come to Peoria Saturday. Okay, so I get to Peoria, and it's sprinkling. Ray don't want to get the car out of the trailer. I don't oh, want to boy. get it dirty. Finally, it kind of quit raining. He gets the car out. I take it out to pack the track, and it starts heating up. So I pulled it in. I said, Ray, it's getting warm. He said, oh, I forgot to fill the radiator after last week when the barefoot guy drove it, whoever yeah. that was. <laughs> <laughs> so then it rains out. So then they they called me later in the week said, we're going to go to West Liberty. Bring your helmet. And I'd race at West Liberty two or three times, you know, right. maybe in a modified a little. We'd go there, and they put me in the heat race, and I'm starting right behind, right by Gus, and Bowley's right behind me. And, okay. like, Six laps into the ten or eight lap heat race, I'm leading this thing because I'm scared to death. Them guys are chasing me. That's the only reason I'm going so fast. And all of a sudden, it smells funny and it blows up. Oh man! I coasted in the pits and I'm thinking, well, I guess I'm done. I'm not going to drive this anymore. They were ecstatic. We never seen anybody go in a corner like that before. You bring your helmet again next week. <laughs> so, uh, nice. I, got to drive, I wound up driving it for a couple years. Then Ray went back and drove it for a year. And that year I drove for Jack Ehlers in the 11 car. And then I went back and drove for them another year and a half. And, and you had a lot of good runs in that 11 car, too. Right. Yep. That was Gary Webb. That was a brand new GRT. And it came to town when Gary brought his first GRT to town. Okay. So it was him and I racing him at Moline. And then I did well with him. I mean, I, didn't, I don't did? think we won any races, but it ran good. And that's when. Bobby Tolan decided he had to buy one for Robbie. Right. Right. And then uh. Rob got one, but, yeah, that was it was a really good car. Oh, boy. And then that was in, I don't know, 94, maybe? I don't know. Right, right around there, I'd say. Right. Yeah. Anyway, the car set for almost six years. Jeff Morris raced it the year I was driving for Daryl, like, 99, and I won the, the Bush race at East Moline with Daryl's car. I and Jeff Morris qualified that car, but they didn't finish or something. And then next year, I wound up buying that from Jack, and I ran it as my own car in 2000. Yeah, that was a beautiful car. Right. Hey, Marshalltown. Last Saturday night, they had the Malvern Bank Super Late Models roll into town. And, of course, when we have it at Davenport Speedway this year, it's going to be the Hoker Trucking East Series. So uh, Jeff Ike picked off his first one of the season, started fifth, rolled that thing up to the front. Uh, Jeff from Cedar Falls, Iowa, former IMCA late model national champion, driver of the number 77. I believe that's a Kai car. Uh, picked off the win, Luke Pesca. Real good run for him. He came home second in that uh, number 99P. Justin Kai, the flying farmer, uh, started 10th. He drove that thing up to a third place uh, finish in the 15K. Uh, Dave Eckrich was right behind him. Uh, next up in fifth was Richie Gustin. And then we've got Jake Neal, the number, uh, uh, boy, Jake Neal. Is he running the number one car now, I believe? Luke Godert uh, finished seventh from Gutenberg, Iowa. Uh, eighth was Jesse Sobbing, the number 99. He lives in Malvern, uh, Iowa. And ninth was uh, Matt Ryan, driving the number 07. Uh, former track champion at Davenport Speedway, former IMCA late model national champion, and then rounding out the top 10, Greg Castley from uh, up in uh, Waterloo, number 73, and he's been around a long time. So good night of racing up there in Marshalltown, Iowa. They always get a great field of cars up there. I mean, if you go to Boone for the weekly show or Marshalltown or any of those uh, tracks up there, you know, I called IMCA country, man, they get a ton of cars. So, hey, yeah, here's high, the rundown. High bank. Really fast little quarter really mile. Really fast. A fun track to run. Yeah. IMCA Modified, uh, top 10, Tom Barry Jr. He won the IMCA uh, Modified National Championship last year. Actually run one night at Davenport. Uh, was checking up for a lap car. Spun. Had to go to the rear, but the feature was his to be uh, one. Uh, the number 11 X car, Caden Carter. Always quick. 
uh, from Oskaloosa, Iowa. He finished second. Third was Joel Rust. Uh, fourth was Kelly Shryock uh, from Fertile, Iowa, the number three car. Uh, fifth, Tim Ward, and he's from Chandler, Arizona. Had a nice run at Davenport. I think he got third at Davenport uh, on Thursday. Uh, Dylan Thornton uh, ended up sixth. Jacob Hobshate, uh seventh. Shane DeVolder, eighth. Ninth was Kyle Brown, and he's the gentleman who owns Harris Race Cars. Uh, so good run for him. Then rounding out the top ten was the number uh, uh, Ethan uh, Braxmith started 17th. Rolled her up into 10th. He's from Newton, Iowa, driving the number 111. So good night of racing, great car count, great way to start the season up there in Marshalltown, Iowa. So, Bob, now we're going to roll up into uh, the era when you had the Stealth Modified and Mike Whiteman. And tell us a little bit about that, how you got with Mike. Um, I had a GRT Modified in 2000 when I had the late model. Um, I met Mike. He was running a parts truck at Makokota, and I used to see him there, and he'd have bumpers and stuff sitting around. I didn't know what all he'd done, and then, I don't know, we talked. Anyway, at the end of, the, end of that year, um, he said something to me, I guess, about building a car or something, and I made a deal with him. I said, you can copy my GRT if I get the first one off the jig, and we made that deal, and then later on he said he wanted a late model. So I traded him my late model for a complete roller modified. But Mike's been doing my cars for the last 20 years. Um, if it wasn't for him and if it wasn't for Ronnie Williams at Autorons, I would have never been able to race. Both of them guys put me on the map and made it so I could do it because otherwise there, there would be no way. Like I said, I owe both of them pretty much my career, and I'm very, very happy to know both of them and, you know, really happy to have had their help over the years. Yeah. You know, and Ronnie, he's uh, the kind of guy, I remember my brother, we'd got an engine from another machine shop, and we had trouble, uh, Ben and Val's. Motor ran like, uh, like Jack the Bear. And so Ronnie Williams come over to the car, and it wasn't his motor. He said, hey, bring that thing over to my shop tomorrow, and we'll figure out what's going on. Because we had taken it back to the competing shop, and they weren't, able to figure it out. Well, Ronnie figured it out. Uh, he ended up making some changes on it. You know, we changed cams on the motor. And, uh, you know, we had a good run the rest of the season with that car for my brother. And that's just how Ronnie was. I mean, he came come over and helped us out. He didn't even sell us a motor. And then Mike Whiteman with those stealth cars, I looked him over. You had a stealth. Morris had a stealth. And, I mean, the two of you sold a lot of cars for Whiteman. And those cars were built, you know, they were safe. And that I said to myself, you know, if I ever got back into racing, and those day that day is come and gone. But at that time, I thought if I ever get back into racing, I was doing Stealth's uh, website for him, and I I would buy a Stealth because, you know, you get a little older. When you're young, you're crazy. You I mean, you don't think about you know ever getting hurt or any of that kind of stuff. You get a little older and you think about that stuff. And those were just very quality, uh, well built cars, and they were bullet fast. I've had several of mine upside down landed on the cage yeah and i had one where it made a perfect imprint of the, the cage in the roof yeah and i got out and it was a davenport and i had brought two cars that night for whatever reason yeah and the lady in the ambulance says i said i want to go i said i got another car to race she said well <laughs> she said well we want to check your blood pressure and then you can go i said my blood pressure was high when i got here i said that's not gonna, that ain't gonna help anything <laughs> So, oh my God! Yeah, his cars have been fantastic. I said he's done so much. You know, him and Ronnie, it's it's really been amazing. We got a lot of people out there listening tonight, and I know last week I think when I looked at the ticker we were at like uh, three thousand sixty somewhere around there. So real good crowd last week. If any of you have any questions you want to ask Bob Dominacki <coughs> or the Big Boss Man or Pat or I, uh, feel free to uh, type them in, and we're watching. That on an iPad right now, we'll be happy to answer you. Uh, I have again. a question. Yeah, go ahead. I was told to ask you about what happened to your radiator in Knoxville. <laughs> <laughs> there's so, got to be a story there. Right? It's pretty good. We we went to Knoxville, Illinois, or, or right. Knoxville, Illinois. Okay. And we got there, and there was a torrential downpour, but I think it was the fair race. Okay. Well, when it's the fair race, they don't want to pull the plug; they want to race. So they brought the grader out and graded all the mud to the 
just to the edge of the grass on the inside straightaway. All right. And I don't know if I remember if it was a heat race of the future, but I'm going on back straightaway, and somehow I got bumped, and the car straddled that mud pile. <laughs> and mud came through the nose piece and wrapped the radiator around the front of the motor. Oh, my God. I was wow. so mad. I, I, I got the radiator out, and I took it up, and I threw it at the judge's stand. Uh. And then 10 minutes later, I told my pit crew guy, Kelly, I said, you know what? I said, I'm going to need that radiator cap. I said, can you go back and get that? <laughs> oh. We got a question for you here, Bob. Let's see. We've got Barry Croft says, uh, ask Bob how big a hood scoop he's bringing out on his car this year. Uh, yeah. I, we don't want to go there. There's, there's a video going around. Um, there was a wreck at Dubuque last year. Okay. I don't know if you guys, there's probably a video somewhere. Yeah. First lap, come out of turn two. It's a dust bowl. Oh my gosh! Going on back straight away. Everybody's wide open. One second, everybody, everybody's going straight. Next second, there's four cars sideways in front huh. of me. I swerved to miss them, got on the brakes, and I caught Sean Rupp's car with just the right front tire. You know, and it broke. It broke the steering to where the car went down. And the tranny was stuck in gear with the idle pretty high, and it didn't want to stop. I finally got it shut off almost to turn three. And he's flipping out, whining, like, because his car's junk. Well, his car was junk because he ran into the guy in front of him, and then he's sideways on the racetrack. Yeah, what are you going to do? You can't right. see him. I just, like I said, I caught him with the right front tire. There's a video where my car still got a front bumper and a nose piece on it. He's down there screaming and hollering and I told him, I said, it was so dusty I couldn't see. And he's like, yeah. you need to get a bigger hood scoop. So they all think it's a big joke. <laughs> Here we go, Bob. Well, you know what? Here's here's what I'd say to them guys. Uh, you know, with all the races you've won, and I'll tell you, you know, it's like, I, whatever, I, I announced, I don't know how many of those cheetah races that you've been in, Bob. Yeah. And you, you always won the cheetah race. And I thought, every time you pull into the pit area on cheetah's night, I'd say, well, who's going to get second tonight? Because right. I knew it was going to be you. I mean, you've won... How many of those do you think, Bob? One. Have you kept track? No, but probably 16, 17. Yeah. I, I mean, didn't win on. them all. I had, I've had flat tires. It's so much fun that it's easy to go out in heat race and blow it up because sure. you just hold the floor and steer. <laughs> like, for me, to be as close to running a sprint car as I'll ever get, but that's nice. what it feels like, and it's a blast. But I've had mechanical failures, and then I've just gotten outrun. I said, you can't win them all, and I'm used to that, and I understand. But the ones, you know, what was the weirdest thing was over the years, I used the same board, sideboard, for all them years. I got maybe $150 with aluminum in it, and it's made, I don't know, 5000 yeah, come and, on. And nobody uh, will build one. And nobody will build one. You, right. You're the yeah. only guy that come out every night or every right. uh, year cheater's time with that big old sprint car win. Yep. Right. Hey, uh, uh, got a guy here asking you, and of course it's Barry Croft, but he says, ask Bob who his favorite DeBell parts guy was in the old U-Haul days. Well, so of course it was Barry Croft. It was Barry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we got another person in here, too. They let me uh, scroll down here. Uh, Brian Copeland from Sarasota, Florida, formerly Bettendorf, Iowa. And then I also see Bev Schmall uh, Thorman, who for a lot of years, I mean, I know Bev. Bev was, yep. uh, you know, got to be one of the biggest Dominaki fans out there. Yes, she she had her favorite spot. Yep. She Bonnie sat in every Trish night. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And so, uh, you know, a lot of people out there tonight and, you know, the people out there asking questions. Thank you very much uh, for that. Yep. Uh, so, Stealth Modified, uh, uh, man, that Mike Whiteman, he built some cars for you, and you ran. You, you and Morris were probably the most uh, responsible for selling all those stealth cars. You guys were but, but winning his, them all his the time. quality and, and workmanship yeah. helps sell them. I mean, you know, you can put somebody in a car and they might go fast, but if people look at the car and it doesn't look like a quality piece, they're still not going to buy it. Yeah. You know, and he... His welding and sheet metal work is some of the best I've ever seen. It's, nice. He's really good, and like I said, I've had them painted. I guess I painted some and had them powder-coated, and the Jason Round up there does a great job of powder coat. Um, and like I said, Mike builds a great car. You know, he 
Is so, Bob, uh, you know, you and I are the same age, 62 years old, and uh, where do you go from here? You're, you're going to run a full schedule this I'm, year. Yep. I'm, I'm retired now. I'm going to run all year and try on a different program. I don't know if it'll work. I might look foolish, but... Hey, you know nothing what? else to do but drive. <laughs> you know what? We used to say that. You know, we'd try some funky setups on the car, and uh, sometimes they'd work, sometimes they wouldn't. But, you know, unless you try, you don't know. And, and mm-hmm. even uh, Morris, when he's running them stealth cars, I remember he ran one of those cars one night, and he brought it back to the shop, and he's out there with, uh, you know, the grinder, the cut wheel, and the torch, and cutting the whole right side off of it because he thought he'd try something that would work a little better. They put it on the car. He won races, and I I just thought to myself, my God, how do you cut that new car apart? But he did. <laughs> they passed that information back to Mike, and, you know, Mike was able to. Yeah, we, they, Mike had car. several different versions. To be honest, when I got my first GRT mod, the year before I went down to Burlington when they had that 10,000-win modified show, and okay. Ramey won it. Ramey won it. I remember but that show. There yeah. was a guy down there from Minnesota named Bob Tim. Okay. His son, I think, is running in that MLRA, that 49 car. Yeah. I believe that's his son. I just, there. I think. You would assume. Right, I'm right. assuming. But he was the fastest car down there in that feature. He came wow. from the back, and he was coming. He just ran out of laps, and I went over and looked at that car everybody else's tires were bald and junk his right rear still had tread on it and i looked under the car and it was a four bar car with a pole bar in it and had a j bar on it wow and i'd never ever seen one yeah so i called grt that winter i said i want a four bar car with a j bar and a pole bar in it and the guy said there ain't room to put the j bar mount behind the seat i said well you build me the car and i'll put my own mount in it the first one I did, and then I think they started actually doing that later. But when I first did that, you put the pole bar way down in the front, and at West Liberty, the car would lift up off the rear springs and then teeter from side to side. I want to put a stock front sway bar on it because I couldn't drive it. It was so scary. <laughs> anyway, it finally got better, and I don't know, you know, like I said, I don't know how we stopped all that. But from there, that's, like I said, when Mike built one it was that same thing j bar with a pull bar in it and they were just fast hey, i want to talk about uh, davenport speedway opens up for weekly racing this friday night uh got a great summer of racing planned over there at speedway ricky and brenda kai have done a wonderful job kohler electric hoker trucking sponsors that season over over at davenport iowa and uh coming up this friday it's going to be a thousand to win imca late models so we ought to have a nice field of cars for that one. And 1,000 uh, to win for IMCA Modifieds. And we'll also be running IMCA Sport Mods, our street stock class, and a four-cylinder class. But uh, 1,000 to win late models, 1,000 to win Modifieds. So mark fat, that. fast shaft qualifier for the mods, I guess. So. so, Bob, explain that to the people out there. If you that, win... That, I guess that gets you into the race at Knoxville, Iowa or something. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah that, that'd be real nice. Hey, speaking of Knoxville, Iowa, have you ever run up there? Oh, yeah. I, I ran there in the Modified, and I ran there in the uh, 75 car. Yeah. yeah. A lot of fun. Hey, it so is. it's uh, $12 for adults, $5 for kids, uh, 5 to 12. Uh, kids 4 and under are free. Pit passes are $30. So get over there. Uh, hot laps are at 6.30 p.m., and then racing is going to follow right after that. So. Mark it on your calendar. We'd love to see you over there at Davenport Speedway coming up this Friday night. K Promotions, Mississippi Valley Fairgrounds. And I, I got to say, of all the tracks that I go to, the fairgrounds, they've got this pristine manicured grass over there. They're always doing upgrades. Uh, you know, they built that bar underneath grandstands. I don't drink, but it's still state-of-the-art bar and second to none. And after the races, gives the fans a place to go and meet some of their favorite drivers. The other thing they they're doing this year is changing the scoring. They're gonna everybody's gonna have transponders. There you go. So nice. that should, I mean, I think that should immensely impact how well it gets scored. Because before, you know, your people are human. You yeah. know, they can only see so much at one time, and yeah. you know, a lot of times the driver th- 
thinks he knows where he was versus what the scorekeeper thought he saw. That's right. Two yeah. laps before when they had a yellow, you know, when it it just, I'm so happy they did that. I think it'll really help a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, Technology is a great thing. You know, n name a better value uh, in the Quad City area for, for getting out with a, a good family entertainment than, than spending a night at the races. Right. And it's for three hours or more. Without yeah. a doubt, for 12 yeah. bucks. I mean, you, yeah. can't, you can't go wrong. It's a fun racetrack to run, too. Yep. So. And Al and Ricky are doing a great job on the track. Without oh, I said, I think we're going to have a lot more racetrack to race on this year, which is why I'm kind of changing my program a little, and hopefully it helps out. And yeah. We'll go fast. I'll be pulling for you, Bob. Man, get out there. I pull for the old guys. Right. I pull for Webb. I pull for Don Maggie. You want to qualify and finish. You know, That's it. Qualify and finish. All right. I like that. Uh, Shane, you mentioned Knoxville, Iowa. When to to uh, touch on the the sprint cars opened at Knoxville this last Saturday. Uh, the actually the World of Outlaws rained out, so there was some uh, travelers ended up showing up at Knoxville Saturday night. It was a great program. They had forty seven four tens and like thirty seven three sixties. Wow! As well as the uh, they run a a what well, used to be the three hundred five class. They also had a, a handful of those. Sheldon Hunshield actually ended up the World of Outlaw regular made a last lap pass of Geo Selzy coming down the back straightaway on the white flag lap to actually snatch away the win. It was a phenomenal show. Phenomenal ah. show. Yeah, that's uh, Geo ended up second. Austin McCarl ended up third. Another uh, great. I think it's a, the 68th uh, yearly program at Knoxville, Iowa. For Bristol Rams. this weekend now, right? That's right. The Outlaws? Yep. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, I, I tell you that's what, that's, that's one that I marked on my schedule. I would love to go down to it, and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make it. But, yeah. Do you think they'll get under 10 seconds? Or? <laughs> what, what did the late models do? I never heard what the uh, fast time 15, was. 15, 14, I think. Yeah, they were in 14. Yeah. 14, high 14. I think it was, uh, yeah, yeah. B-Chef ran, yeah, it was just under, was it 13.9? I was thinking 13.9. Yeah, 13.9. Yeah. I think B-Chef was fast time. They, they, had, they told us what the fast time was. It was a pavement sprint car with yeah, a wing on it or something. Right. I don't remember what he did. It, wow. was, it, it was, should be it was frightening fast. So yeah, yeah, the I'm expecting they'll run at least in the 12 second range. Right. That's crazy. And they're fast. they're so this That's is about 170 mile on average, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and they'll they'll Good go Lord. fast enough around there that that they'll actually be going faster around there than you can actually see, especially on a bank track like that. It's hard to actually see far enough ahead to be safe, which is right. one of the reasons why this is an invitation only race. So, yeah. and that's one of the things maybe maybe not all viewers know or realize that most sprint car races are open to anybody. Bob, right. if you want to buy a sprint car, I, yeah, you can up. buy a sprint car and show up and you can race. Right. And there is Sweet. no qualification or yeah. license Just or Kelly? anything required. Yeah. This is a, a, special, a special opportunity. There you go, Kelly. Yeah, right. Boss man. Buying no, himself a sprint that would be a yeah. bad idea. I think That's with right. them wings, them guys, when they go in the corner and start to turn it, they probably can't see the exit of the corner. You can't. Yeah. You're you just can't. looking at the track, and about the time, if there was a wreck, by the time you get the car turned and see it, it'd be over. Well, oh, and, and that's yeah. we have the same issue at um, at Canton, Illinois. Uh, yeah. The same issue at um, Eldora on the banking. The cars go so fast that with the wing, you actually can't see. So if you imagine, you you know, you're running almost on a wall, and so to look up the track, you're actually looking up this way. And you actually can't see far enough ahead to be able to not hit something. Right. So let me ask you. I to get that way sometimes. I yeah. mean, you you got to – we usually way. run tape to keep the sun out of your eyes, sure. but there's a point where you got to pull the tape up because when the car's in the corner, you can't, can't see, see coming can't out. See it. I can see that. Pat, when you were in the Knoxville Nationals and you're in a B-Main yep. and Doug Wolfgang dumped it <laughs> and you run over him, yeah. could you see him? I mean, I'm just asking. It happens so fast that that um, it, Knoxville's flat and round, uh, but it happened so fast that that um, honestly, I, I he was upside down and I couldn't even react before I hit him. Yeah. So okay. And that's and that's that's one of the things, especially in in sprint car racing, we have such big tires and they water the track so well that that the fans don't realize how little they can actually see in these cars. Okay. It's, you know, so watching a race like the Outlaws were at. at um, they were at Kokomo, Indiana last weekend, and those guys just put on an absolutely phenomenal show. And knowing how little they can see when in the cars, it's it's scary. It really is scary. Put on a great show, but 
This last weekend, you sacked the non-wing cars. Okay. Uh, actually ran a, a, supposed to run a three-day show. They were supposed to run Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday, they ran at Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, Kevin Thomas Jr., KTJ, ended up taking a great win away from Brady Bacon. Okay. Brady Bacon, who's got a lot of diversity, ended up second. Kyle Cummins was third. And then uh, on Saturday night at Hopstock, Kyle Cummins actually came back. He's, uh, if you guys have ever run Hopstock, Indiana, it's a paperclip. A real fast, greasy, but kind of heavy little uh, bull ring down in very southern uh, Indiana. Kyle Cummins is kind of the master down there. He ended up bringing home the victory. It was a great show. Speaking right. of victors, Soppy got a couple this last week. Yeah, how do you like that? He's on fire. He got yeah. that car figured out. Yeah, got that thing out. Yeah. What, yeah. what kind good. is that? Uh, boy, that's a great That's question. a done right car. That's it. That is yeah. a done right car. Okay. Yeah. So that's why it's important. Yeah, <laughs> I, I want to, one more thing, one person I want to thank. Uh, Corey Condon that took over Auto Rons. It's now called Auto Rods. Yeah. He's, How's he doing down there, Bob? He's doing good. He's doing stuff on my motors, my open motors. Good. He does a great job. I'm, now, when I'm really Otto, happy to have him. Yeah. When Otto comes home in the summertime, does he still go down and help out? He did last year. I don't know what his schedule is this year. Yet. Yeah. I haven't really had a chance to talk to him. Uh, and, and, you know, Otto's getting up there in age, and you start thinking about, you know, Otto Rons and, you know, these quality machine shops with people that – Really knew how to take care of things. And down at Abraham's, Ty Hallowell's got to be, you know, in his upper 70s now. Right. And he used to uh, do all the work for Arnie the Farmer Beswick on his drag cars. That's right. And so you look at these old machine shops, and, and I just mean they've been around forever. They do quality work, but, uh, the crate, you know, it's nice to the see. The crate motors are putting them out of business. They're putting them out of business. And it's, it's not a good thing, especially right now. The Elder Brock was making the heads for okay. GM. Yeah. And they're moving the plant, and I I heard two stories. I don't I, I don't want to be the gospel. I heard one they were moving the plant in California to another place in California, and I also heard they were moving to Mississippi. Okay. But right now, there's no GM crate motors because there are no heads, and then uh, Gary Myers said they're having problems getting cam cores okay. to grind cams into. Okay. Wow. So well, they're they're having problems with the new cars getting chips for them too. Yeah, so, yeah. I can believe that. Like a big problem I hear uh, that there's like they're stacked up. The new vehicles are stacked oh. up, waiting on computer chips. You know, yep. Bob Erickson Chevrolet gives us our pace thing. car over at Davenport Speedway every Friday night, and I was out talking to Ray Jefferson. He's an old street stock driver, and he's a new car manager. But they literally have the cars parked front to rear bumper out there because there's so few on the lot they can't get them yeah. because of the chip problem. And he said the used cars, going through bumper to bumper too, you're not selling new cars and getting trade-ins. So guess what? Uh, you don't have a lot of used cars. So there, he said it's, it literally is the best sales year that they've had in a long time. Car, used cars are but going for more than, top than retail. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, that, at the auction, they're going for more than retail. Is that because they can't? That some of the chips have gold in them. Is it because they can't get gold? Or do they uh, I'm not sure. COVID if it's shut down a lot of the chips. So I just oh, bought yeah. a new truck here about two weeks ago, and, and um, I didn't plan on, on trading in my car, and they were begging me to yeah. trade my car in. They're going they were, they were all but throwing money, money at me, and I'm yeah. like, well, I'm going to keep my car. Especially, yeah. yeah. Pat, Definitely. tell yeah. Bob Dominacki what you bought. Uh, I bought a, a Ram 1500. There you go. He's a Did you get the TRX with the 706 horse motor? I did not. I did not. <laughs> probably should have. I've got a 700 horsepower Hellcat. <laughs> oh, do you really? Speed, oh. Yeah, 2015. Oh and I was telling Shane, I've got a 66 Plymouth satellite that had a Reese hitch on it in 1983 or 82 that I used to tow my stock car to the track with. I still have that car. <laughs> nice. And then I, nice. last year I bought a a really, really nice 66 Grand Prix that's black and the straightest thing you ever saw in your life. It's oh spectacular. Uh, yeah. We have uh, uh, Barry from uh, Lafayette, Indiana is on, uh, watching us online. He was saying that the uh, the Subaru there in Lafayette, Indiana is shut down because they can't get cars. Just uh, seeing comments. Wow. So, it seems to be pretty universal. Yeah, I wanted to, what I've got on the, I got on, uh, let's see, Iowa Racing News, and I downloaded the East Moline Speedway schedule for this season. Now, Jeff Peterson will be promoting that track on his own, not the Peterson family, but they're showing April 25th for the season opener, which is this Sunday. Sunday. Have you heard about that, Bob? Sunday I night? saw it written a couple weeks ago when they 
they bumped it back a week. Okay. Yeah, All right. I, yeah, I uh, so that's what I got. April twenty fifth. Uh, yeah. Certainly go to their website and check it out. And then hopefully the weather gets better before the weekend. Yeah. No yeah. kidding. My God. <laughs> yes. And I want to I want to tell people about a couple of things. Gary Webb, fiftieth season in racing. It's his birthday. Bir- birthday. Seventy two years old. It. And they they put together a new website and it's Gary Webb Racing. Dot com Gary com and that one his uh, son did and it, it's a wonderful website it's got pictures history he's got a video on there and have we got the video on uh, Dunright's yeah. uh, page yeah. sure it's a wonderful it video nice. you got to watch good. it yeah. uh, take a couple of minutes to watch that thing it's great and what a testament to a guy who uh, has been on you know the king of the hill uh, for so many years here and I've seen this evolution with uh, uh, with Gary Webb, uh, Ronnie Weed, and I remember when I was a kid going to Davenport Speedway, and when you sit in the grandstands over there, you were either a Mel Morris fan or a Gary Webb fan or a Ray Guest fan. They all had their garb on. The Ronnie Weed and people all had blue with their red and white stripes on it. And uh, uh, I, I don't know if you remember the little chant, the Mel Morris fans. Uh, I was just okay. Bob? When I was a kid, I went over there and I rooted for the convertible. That's all okay. I can remember. <laughs> That's it. There you go. That's Carter. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, Webb's been on top a lot of years. He's a true gentleman. And, uh, you know, I just feel blessed, uh, you know, I've been able to watch him race. Uh, feel blessed to watch you race, Bob, because, you know, I got out in 2000. And, uh, you know, you're still out there getting her done. This so. will be my 41st year. 41st year. My God, is that crazy? Because right. I, I found a, some stuff that got moved from my mom's house, and it was the, the little card that Vern would give you at Bluegrass. Sure. said, Street Stock Driver 1980. Oh, my gosh. Yep. That's it had wild. my name on it. Yeah. Now, now, did you think back then, Bob, you were going to be in it? 41 years later. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know if I could be in it next week. My dad was like, yeah, this is just a phase. Yeah. <laughs> he kept waiting just for say, me to grow out of it. Uh, I'm going to grow out of it, Dad, but give me some more money. But they always called me my son the car. That's, what he used to <laughs> that's awesome. That is awesome. You know, that's one of the that's one of the fun parts about doing this show and, and getting more involved in the local racing and the stock car racing. And I have a huge appreciation for it is is getting to meet guys like you because I've I, you know I've grown up been around it but not necessarily involved in it my entire life. And so getting to meet guys like you is a, is a pleasure. I appreciate and an honor. you guys having yeah. me on. It's been really fun. Yeah, we're glad to have you on, Bob. And about ready to wrap things up. Any closing uh, words you want to have for anyone? I want to thank. Peterson Plumbing, they've been helping me for Boy, they've been probably a 10, lot of years. 10, 12 years. And, you know, I was I was doing a job out in uh, Long Grove, and Peterson was the contractor for a, it was a um, sewage sub, substation. Sure. Whatever. Anyway, Bob Peterson came and asked me. He said, will you come down to my shop? I want to do something for you. Wow. I, I was amazed. That's amazing. Yeah. So Bob Peterson, you know, they yeah, sponsor he sponsor our RMT late models. Paul takes, Paul still sponsors me. So Bob's probably just out there tinkering with old cars. He's got a grandson. I think he's racing go karts. Oh, so okay. I think, Look I out. think they're having some fun. Yeah. Nice. Then we got uh, Kohler Electric Company. Uh, Tim Kohler, his dad's retired now. Uh, Tim was a former uh, street stock driver for a lot of years. Yep. Good driver. And they sponsor the racing over there at the uh, Speedway. We've got uh, a couple other sponsors too. We got Bob Erickson Chevrolet that sponsors one of our classes and provides the uh, pace truck. And then Hoker Trucking uh, helps out an awful lot uh, sponsoring races over there at Davenport. That's right. He's a huge Ho- supporter. Uh, Hoker sports. I, I got introduced so to him down in uh, Arizona a couple years ago. I was okay. wandering around in the pits before the races and walked over, and they were working on Bobby Pierce's car. And there was a guy standing there. I didn't even know who he was. He wound up, he was on Tyler Madigan's crew, Okay. And Hoker walked up. I don't know. And the guy, Tyler's guy, introduced me to him. Yeah. I, I didn't know who he was at the time. So Jeff Hoker went to high school with Ricky Kai. You know, and that's a connection there. Nice. Any closing words, Pat? Uh, hopefully next week we'll maybe have some, some video highlights to be able to touch on as well. Very uh, cool. Again, a, a huge shout-out to, to Kelly at Dunright TV. Uh, this is a phenomenal uh, studio. And uh, I want to give Kelly a plug at Dunright TV. It's a great location, and um, 
Another great show, Shane. Look forward to doing this again next week. Yeah, me too. Hey, big boss man. Any uh, words of wisdom? Well, thank you. And uh, you know, it's it's opening week everywhere. Yeah. So you know, everybody's got their cars ready. Mine's not quite ready yet. Yeah. Uh, which means uh, bear with us. Yeah. We've got a big weekend this weekend. We're going to be in Davenport, yeah. Donaldson, thirty four Raceway on Saturday, Sunday East Moline and Dubuque. So wow. we got a full uh, a full slate. Got some new guys, so uh, yeah. we're going to be training some new people. So bear with us a little bit. We might have some hiccups, but that's all right. Uh, you know, we're going to get through it. And uh, and thank you guys, man, because that's you know I'm just I'm just trying to help out, man. Yeah, and I appreciate you guys doing this and uh, appreciate all the help. Now what about our support staff here? <clears throat> support Sonny. staff, Sonny, and and the rest of the crew, Thomas, yeah. Wilk. Yeah, we got a, a couple you, yes. more guys coming, but yeah, these guys are these guys are top notch. Again, this is new to them too. Yeah. So you know we're again we're, we're going to continue to get better. That's the goal is just to get a little bit better every time. All right. So, well, hey, thank you. That'll gentlemen. wrap it up. Thank you, gentlemen. For all right. Thank you, Bob. Uh, God bless all you great race fans out there. We really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we'll be back here again next Monday night, Pat, uh, 7 to 8 o'clock. With highlights. With highlights, with, yes. yes. Sir. That's right. So that's uh, pretty cool. So <laughs> with that being said, uh, we'll see you next week. God bless. Have a great week, and we'll be seeing you around the track.